Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Election College, Episode 312, JFK, Part 3. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Is that right, Ben? Part three? I know. This is only the, what, second president we've done three episodes about? Well, three in a row, at least. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Of course, we've already covered all of the end of his presidency. Multiple times, yeah. It's like conspiracy theories and all that. I don't know. Should we get into any of that, or am I jumping the gun? Let's just turn this into a conspiracy theory podcast from now on. Okay. All right. Well, reintroduction. I, I, uh, welcome, everyone, to Election Conspiracy College. Uh, never mind. We'll, we'll workshop that title and do it for next episode. Ooh, I like that workshop. I'm um, on the floor right now recording because... We just had this big, big storm here in Michigan, and like part of my RV flooded. Oh wow! Yeah, That's and then last good. week, if any, if anybody was wondering, hey, where were you guys last week? Well, while we were recording, one of our rental properties was flooding. <laughs> so I'm I'm done with water. Don't go swimming anyway, anytime soon, Jason. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping not to, because tomorrow I fly to California. We want that to be waterless. <laughs> right. Anyway, on January 20th, 1961, JFK is sworn in as the 35th president of the United States. And of course, this is the speech that we all know, right? The whole ask not what you can do for your country or not, you know, the other way. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Right. Man, why do I always get that re- reversed? The expectations are so high there. You, f- you feel like you have to get it just right and you mess it up. Yeah. The pressure. It's intense. <laughs> well, Kennedy had a pretty good, uh, as I think all presidents should, or all hopeful presidents even, but had a pretty good idea or uh, mentality going into the presidency. He says... You know, hey, everything's not going to get done in the first hundred days I'm in office. Uh, as a matter of fact, it probably won't get done in the first thousand days. Maybe it won't even get done while I'm president. But, like, let's go ahead and start. Let's just start working on stuff. And I think that really kind of rang a bell because there have been so many presidents before and so many presidents since that, you know, what's the first hundred days in office going to look like? We're going to fix everything in the first year. And it's just not realistic. But the... Kennedy administration is really focused on 
well, the world. And, of course, you know, focused on the country as well, but <laughs> there's just all sorts of stuff happening around the world. You got the Soviet Union. Uh, you got the ordeal with Cuba, the whole Bay of Pigs thing, you know. Uh, so Kennedy gets kind of a first, and everybody gets kind of the first impression of Kennedy as uh, and being involved in all sorts of other countries around the world. Yeah, it's interesting because here you had Eisenhower, who was very much trying to keep peace, right? Or establish peace. <laughs> and Kennedy is faced with the Cold War. Pretty intense because you got this Nikita Khrushchev guy. Man, we could do an episode on him, but he wasn't that would be interesting. <laughs> he wasn't elected to anything. But yeah. you know, you can just imagine his style. Pretty pretty abrasive, right? And Kennedy kind of gets off on the wrong start with him because Khrushchev is speaking to the Soviet people saying, hey, America's bad and, you know, democracies are bad and all that kind of stuff. Kennedy's like, hey, I'm going to take this personally. I'm going to bust you. And Charles de Gaulle was like, dude, just ignore him. <laughs> Don't pay attention to him. And, uh, you know, the two get together, Khrushchev and Kennedy in June of 1961. Yeah. So they, they hashed some things out, of course, put an end to the, to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Of course, our, our ordeals with Cuba have been, uh, well, they've been longstanding. Seems like every now and then you see a little bit of, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna fix this. But so far, we're still not terribly buddy buddy with Cuba or Russia for that matter for, the, for a lot of the uh a lot of the pomp and circumstance and friendliness that's out there there's still this always this underlying lack of trust between the two countries and that certainly was the case when Kennedy was in office as well yeah so out of that meeting with Khrushchev like what ends up happening is you know they put barbed wire up around West Berlin. Yeah. That's it's kind of ugly. Uh, it's very ugly, actually. And, uh, you know, you got a divided Germany. What can you say? It's it's really bad. How long did that last, Jason? 30 years or so? Yeah, more than 30 years. I can remember when Reagan gave that speech about, you know, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh-huh. Thinking, I, I can remember thinking, there's no way that's going to happen. Then it did. It did. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> we digress. Yes. The Cuban Missile Crisis is horrible, right? Because, you know, our spy planes fly over Cuba and we see that the Soviets are starting to construct intermediate range ballistic missile sites there in Cuba. And this is in October, and Kennedy's faced with this dilemma. You know, do we go ahead and attack those sites? Do we risk nuclear war? Do we do nothing and have these missiles pointed to us? Um, wow, what do we do? And by the end of October, you know what happens. We stop a Soviet ship. Khrushchev says, okay... Um, we'll dismantle the sites and all is cool. But 
my goodness, we were on the precipice of nuclear war right then and there. Yeah, I think that's probably the closest, other than actually having, you know, nu- nukes uh, explode. <laughs> that's probably the closest we've ever been to, you know, an actual nuclear war um, since then or before then either. You can imagine what kind of uh, legacy that would have left for Kennedy. Yeah. Did any of your schools have bomb shelters? Uh, I think that, so the elementary school I went to was fairly new when I went there and the high school was brand new. I went there, but the high school I would have gone to had they not built a new one definitely had bomb shelters. And I was in there multiple times, not in the bomb shelters, but was in the building multiple times. And I definitely remember seeing signs still up for the bomb shelters or the fallout zone or whatever they called them. Mm-hmm. So, Crazy stuff. I mean, yeah. I yeah, it wasn't that long ago. That's no. the that's the crazy thing. But uh, yeah, so taking taking a break from all of the Cold War stuff, you do have the Peace Corps being established, and Kennedy, in one of his first acts as president, says, "Hey, let's create this thing called the Peace Corps." He says, hey, hey, brother-in-law, Sergeant Shriver, come on over. Be the director of the Peace Corps. And it goes from 5,000 members to 10,000 members in uh, just under a year. And get this, Ben, over 200,000 Americans have joined the Peace Corps. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. So I don't know how that relates to the the rest of the military well, the military i don't yeah. know what kind of numbers we even have they probably don't announce that terribly much do they i you know i've never thought thought about that but you think about it you know it's nothing for them to deploy ten thousand troops or hundred thousand right. troops so yeah exactly so you all have heard about i mean in southeast asia there's there was just a lot of stuff going on of course you know we are all familiar with the vietnam war the Korean conflict and those types of things. But before that, you had civil wars happening. I mean, before and during that, you had civil wars happening. Uh, you had assassinations of leaders. Uh, you had coups happening and everything. And at this time, you know, the Kennedy administration is pretty strongly considering the situation in Vietnam and assessing whether or not that the United States should intervene and get in there. Uh, Kennedy kind of knew that the people of Vietnam hated the U.S. and he didn't care. I guess uh, he was pretty insistent that you know the United States needed to go in to the territory in order to make sure the communists didn't seize it uh, and you know get more communist footing. Because not only were the ideals and future of communism bad but the fact is the communists tend to work together and when you've got somebody like russia who at the time especially you're not terribly friendly with having them have more allies is not something you want as the united states yeah so there's really no um solution to the conflict of course um at kennedy's death but nothing was more un unfinished <laughs> I guess would be the right word uh, as far as foreign policy goes you know the the tensions with the Soviet Union were alleviated uh, a bit 
uh, or at least uh, put off a bit. But when it came to Vietnam, this is something that um, President Johnson is going to have to deal with in, in a great way. But back to the Soviet Union, uh, there's, a, there's a famous speech that Kennedy gives at the American University. And the president says that the Soviets are willing to negotiate a nuclear test ban treaty and that the U.S. is going to postpone um, some of the planned atmospheric tests that, um, well, that they were going to use to defend the country. And um, this peace through strength mentality uh, really comes to the forefront in the Kennedy years. So Kennedy is going to like go all around the world and he's also going to have different dealings with people all around the world. And we've talked about that a little bit, about how he made his mark in that way. Something I wanted to say, and Jason, you may have noticed this as well when, when you were there, but when I was in Ireland, it was right after, yeah, right after President Obama had visited Ireland. Mm-hmm. And everywhere you saw pictures of President Obama in Ireland, but also everywhere you went, well, even more places that you went, you saw pictures of JFK in Ireland. And he was only there for about four days, but it seems like there were enough pictures of him taken by like little shop owners and bar owners and pubs that there's just a picture in every single establishment. It's kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, he was there of course for, uh, picking up some, uh, different documents, encouraging relationship between them, uh, making sure that he visited the place, of course, where his ancestors had lived before they came to America, all that kind of stuff. But I just wanted to, like, from my personal experience, throw it out there that the Irish love American presidents that visit their country. <laughs> yeah, they kind of do. It's interesting, too, um, just about the whole relationship with Ireland, because so many presidents who... you they may not have that direct connection like the Kennedys had. Cause I mean, there it is the, the Irish Catholic, you know, that it, it's very uh, at the forefront, but so many of our presidents do have Irish ancestry. And yeah, when you're leaving Ireland, actually, when you go through customs, you'll see a picture of all these famous Americans who uh, have Irish in them. We have Irish in us, but I think we're, or Scots Irish. Yeah, I think so. Which did you? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Did you know JFK came to where I live? No. Yeah, there are pictures of him like less than a quarter mile from my house. Really? Yeah, he came to town and you know did a, they had a little parade and there's a there's a few shops that that are still around that were around then that have pictures of him uh, in their shops. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why he was here, but... I'm sure Western PA was probably an important area to win over. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and you know, in Texas, where we were earlier in the year, there's so many places. Now, of course, you know, the whole incident of the assassination in Dallas, but he, he spent some time in Texas. He had to win it over, and... Of course, selecting Johnson as his vice president went a long way to sealing up that election for him. Yeah, for sure. 
another big thing to note is this is around the time that the big partial nuclear test ban treaty came into effect. Uh, of course, Kennedy sends over uh, someone to Moscow to help negotiate a treaty with the Soviet Union. And, well, basically, they came to an understanding. It wasn't the understanding that everyone wanted, and it prohibited some of the testings that were happening, and both sides agreed to it. Whether or not they both lived up to it is a conversation for a different day. But the Senate ratified it, and Kennedy signed it into law in October of 1963. And France all of a sudden was like, hey, uh, we're not part of this treaty. We're going to keep doing the testing and stuff. So, sorry. You never hear about France and nukes, do you? No, not really. Interesting. Apparently nobody's afraid they're going to use them. I don't know. I, yeah. It's just... An- good old american thing to do right (laughs) that's that's right yeah so about the civil rights movement you know we had a lot going on in 1954 in 1954 you had brown versus the board of education ends racial segregation in the public schools but many of these schools in the south refused to acquiesce to the law of the land and kennedy takes a very strong approach when it comes to integrating schools and in um, more than one occasion he uh, his brother Robert and others in the administration would uh, reach out to uh, the likes of Coretta Scott King and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and um, really hold the fact that yes we we are going to be an integrated society and this actually becomes one of Kennedy's great legacies is that he appoints many African-Americans to office. And um, one of the big appointments was to appoint civil rights attorney Thurgood Marshall to the federal bench. Yeah, and the 60s are, well, one, there's a lot of things going uh, for civil rights. I mean, you're seeing a lot of new things implemented for the civil rights movement uh, and equality. But one of the really interesting things to me, Jason, and I really, I found this out in high school, how many different people like who were pro-civil rights movement were assassinated. And, you know, we usually use the word assassinated for people who are in uh, some sort of power or something. But when it comes to the civil rights movement, I mean, you have, of course, you have Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, who was assassinated, but you have a few other popular speakers during that time so of course you have a lot of this kind of conversation happening but it seems like an inordinate amount of murders uh, also happen around the civil rights discussion which is both interesting and obviously sad yeah yeah even uh the likes of j edgar now i'm not saying j edgar hoover you know was into assassinating people or anything like that but uh, he was suspicious of MLK Jr. and saw him as a troublemaker. And this led to suspicions between you know, the executive branch and uh, the FBI. And the FBI just says, hey, Robert Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, um, you need to quit associating with the likes of MLK Jr. 
Yeah, it, it's through this. I mean, they really kind of tried to destroy a lot of his legacy. I don't know that any of the things they thought he was guilty of, he was guilty of, but there have been some other reports of, you know, things in his personal life and relationships he had that may not have been above board that this is the reason they found out about it was because of Hoover and the FBI investigating him because they were, well, probably racist. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more to say about the Kennedy years. A lot happened in such a a short period of time. So uh, we will continue the discussion in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, If you want to help us out, the, the nicest thing you could do for us is to head over to iTunes and leave us a little review. You, you should know the way by now, but if not, Google the way. Google will show you the way. Uh, we would really appreciate a nice little review from you. Yeah, and we'll see you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.